Hello and welcome to another episode of Tall Tales and True. I'm Rebecca Levingston. These are the stories from our first ever live storytelling event that was held at the Woodford Folk Festival. And what we did for this event was invite a few of the festival performers, who we know are remarkable storytellers. And we also did a call out for two people to join this cast of yarn spinners. The story you're about to hear is from one of those who threw his hat in the ring. Luke O'Brien is a young man who had his whole life in front of him. He embarked on that journey with all the youthful exuberance and folly that most new adults do. However, he took a few twists and turns that many don't take. And those choices took him to places he never imagined he'd end up and to depths he never thought he'd experience. This is Luke O'Brien, and you may find parts of this story distressing. It's not suitable for children. My story starts back in 2013, and um, I got to a really dark, dark, horrible place where um, I would go to sleep at night and hope that I wasn't going to wake up the next morning. And it got to a point where I was starting to pray that I wasn't going to wake up the next morning. And I got there because I just had about an eight-year battle with heroin addiction. I picked up heroin when I was playing in a band in Brisbane back in 2006. We were just sort of having fun, mucking around with party drugs and stuff like that. And then I took it one step further and picked up heroin and um, was totally addicted pretty much straight away. Straight away, I knew I was in trouble and started seeking help. And I tried pretty much everything. You know, I tried rehabs, psychologists, medication, counsellors, experimental therapy where they sew a uh, implant in your abdomen. I just tried everything. Um, and everything worked for a period of time. And, you know, I, I got my life back on track. But for some reason, I kept going back to it. And I got to a point where things were so hopeless that the only, the only thing I could think of was to end my life, to end the suffering. I was just... I was just uh, in a really bad place. So I made that decision. I decided I was going to end my life and planned to overdose on heroin. So I was going to need a lot because I was using it and had a bit of a tolerance. So I planned to uh, get about a thousand bucks worth, which is a fair bit. So I went to the bank to get the money. And this is back in the day when they had the old like withdrawal slips, you know, like you'd write out the how much you wanted to get out and stuff. But I didn't fill out the withdrawal slip like that. I had my own note and it said, stay calm, this is a robbery. Give me all the money in your drawer. Because <laughs> I had no money. I'd used all my money on heroin, obviously. And I was going against all my morals and values doing this, but I was so desperate to get that money to get the heroin so I could end my life. I was just suffering that much. So I tried to mitigate the fear of the, of the bank attendants as much as possible. You know, I tried to be as polite and passive if there is <laughs> such a thing. And uh, obviously they still would have been terrified. So yeah, it's something I'm like really regretful of and remorseful of. I left the bank and I had a, a hefty sum of money. And the first thing I did was actually went to Australia Post and Express Post a, a few thousand bucks to my mum as compensation for being such a stuff up. <laughs> given her such a hard time for so many years. Then I went and hired out a room in the city, a single room, where I could go through with what I, what I planned to do and I wouldn't be found. Uh, so I got up there and I set it all up and I was all ready to go. 
and I knelt down beside the bed first and I started praying to, to whatever. I'm not, uh, not really a religious person, but I believe in something. So I started praying to this something and I said, I'm so sorry that uh, I've failed. I'm so sorry that I haven't achieved my life's purpose and uh, please forgive me. And if there is some sort of afterlife or heaven, please save my soul. And then I took what any reasonable person would consider a totally unsurvivable amount of this drug and I lay back in my bed and I drifted off to sleep. Then at uh, about eight o'clock the next morning, I woke up as if nothing had ever happened. I just couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this is bloody amazing. Like, this is impossible. I took, I took enough to kill about 17 people. I, sort of in that moment, I was confused and I was like, shit, what do I do now? You know, I didn't wear a disguise in the bank robbery, so I had all my, because I was planning on being not with us anymore that night. You know, I knew I was going to have to face the music. And, but in that moment, like uh, for the first time in years, I had like this sense of hope again, because I was like, well, if I can't end it, then I'm just going to have to get better, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, instead of this just total hopelessness and just black soul and just nothing left, I was filled with some hope and faith again for a change. And um, I called my brother and sister and we drove to the police station and I handed myself in and I spent the next two and a half years in maximum security prison out at Gatton. I'm sure, as you can imagine, prison's a fairly ordinary uh, place. <laughs> But I just did what I had to do to get through. You know, I got fit. I was fully focused on uh, getting better. Gravitated towards all the positive people in there who were looking at turning their lives around. And so that was the course I was on and things were really good. Things were the best they'd ever been, surprisingly. In prison, I was like, this is the best. Everything's been in ages, which was very ironic. But then uh, after a little while in prison, my mum's health started to decline. She was battling uh, emphysema for many years and I got a call one day, well the prison got a call that um, I needed to go out to the hospital to see my mum because she was just about to die. Fortunately they've got a system where you can go out and, and visit. You get escorted by big security guards and dogs and stuff like that. So here I am going through the Royal Brisbane Hospital in handcuffs, in handcuffs with four big security guards around me up to the wards to go and uh, say goodbye to my mum. But it was actually one of the most beautiful moments in my life. I got to um, sit on the bed and hold my mum in my arms and tell her how much I loved her and tell her how sorry I was for being a rat bag for so long and tell her how grateful I was for her giving me life. And she was just an amazing woman, my mum. She was a real trooper, so I told her all that stuff. And we laughed and cried and sung and did all that sort of stuff. And it was a really, really sweet moment. But sure enough, it was pretty soon after that, I had to go back. I had to get back on the bus and go back out to the jail. So I went back out there. And then another, another significant moment was pretty shortly after that. I called my mum up. She, was, she actually survived a little bit longer after that, another two months. And I called her up and she was in the palliative care uh, nursing home. And she was really distressed. They'd started taking her off all her psych meds. My mum had bipolar and depression and some other things. And they took her off all their medication to start putting her into you know, a comfortable state for her just to uh, leave peacefully. And she was really, really distressed one day. Like I called her up and just couldn't, words wouldn't do a thing. Like I just couldn't calm her down. And this really speaks to the power of music and how it can really bring peace and happiness. I just started singing to my mum over the prison phone. 
And uh, here I am in the line. I've got a bunch of hardened criminals next to me and I'm singing Billy Joel and Elton John and Johnny Cash songs over the, over the prison phone to my mum. But uh, it worked. It calmed her down and soothed her and she started singing along with me and it was just uh, another really beautiful moment. And soon after that, she passed away and soon after that, I got released from prison and things have been fantastic ever since. Um, I tried a couple of jobs which I didn't like but I've started gravitating back towards music because that's my first love and I was thinking there was something I'd love to do which is to give back in some way. My mum expressed you know she wasn't really happy in the nursing home so I thought um, there's obviously lots of other people doing really good work in nursing homes and stuff but I'd love to go and volunteer in a nursing home and give back and you know sing some songs for the residents there. So I was thinking about that and Crazily, about two days later, one of my friends rung me and she said, oh, Luke, I've just started working in a nursing home and I was wondering if you'd be interested in coming in and singing to the residents sometime. And I just paused and did this little internal laugh that I do whenever the universe does one of those crazy, synchronistic, in-the-flow sort of things and I said 100%. And I was just actually thinking about that myself. So I got that booked in for February this year and really looking forward to that. But yeah, so a lot's happened, but everything's so much better. I've got hope and I've got friends and I'm not waking up sick. The best way that I can illustrate that is uh, I used to go to sleep at night and wish that I wouldn't wake up. But now when I wake up every morning, I say thank you so much for my life. Thanks very much, guys. That's Luke O'Brien. And thank you, Luke, for sharing that story. If Luke's story brought up any issues for you and you or anyone you know needs help, you can contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Thank you for listening to this episode. Stay with me. I've got more wonderful live stories for you. There was no physical contact in our family. There was no hugging. I had to teach myself to hug when I was about 30. I'm Rebecca Levingston and this is Tall Tales and True. And if you want to talk to us... Head to the ABC Listen Facebook page. Maybe leave us a comment, or you can get more info on the ABC podcasts and lots of other podcasts too. And why not check out all the other great ABC podcasts on ABC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time. <laughs>